0: because Marvin and I, uh, when he left ACU, he went off to the Northeast and started planting a church in Philadelphia. And that's where I met him, in the suburbs of Philadelphia, as a part of a spring break campaign when I was a student. And uh, since then, Marvin and Gail and I and Lori have known each other for many years. And uh, he has guided my life and given me a lot of good um, uh, advice over the years, and I really, really appreciated uh, his wisdom and uh, his advice. And I was so excited to renew my acquaintance with him when I moved back to San Antonio in 1999. He's been with the Northwest Church since '92. Is that what you just told me? Yes. yes. So he's been there forever. You know, that's <laughs> what they say. But welcome, Marvin. I look forward to hearing you. Does he really tell a funny story? Does he? (laughs) On purpose? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So uh, I got a little nervous to hear him start my introduction by talking about mental illness. (laughs) And I felt a little awkward to even say that, except it's true. I mean, uh, I think it's kind of a matter of degree. I've got mental problems. I don't always think right. Um, And we're kind of all in this thing together, so there's some truth there, so I won't fault him for that. Um, Glad to see so many folks out. I I, um, hope you are growing, because we need a Big Mac. (laughs) Just think how funny his next joke will be after that. Um, I think probably the reason that you're growing, if you are, I don't even know, uh, is uh, because you're so high tech. I downloaded your app. I like your app. I'm going to try to get us one of those apps. And I had all these things to turn on before I got here, and there's a clock, which I will ignore uh, and I've got a monitor, and we've got the screen, and I even, I requested this, and Doug has even brought me a virtual cup of water. Yeah, please bring that up here quickly. Just thought I'd give you a little reminder. I like Doug and Laurie. Uh I know several of your ministers. I know a, a number of you uh, members. And uh, I feel privileged to know you and feel really privileged to know uh, the ministers. I know some of them better than others. Thank you so much. Uh, Some better than others, uh, but we have some good camaraderie. You got some good folks uh, working here. Um, I hope you appreciate them and respect them. Sometimes you take your own folks for granted. You really don't want to do that. Um, And I just wanted to... To give them that little plug. So, as uh, Doug mentioned, I'm from the Northwest Church of Christ, and I'm speaking at the Big Mac <laughs> Church of Christ. And I've been thinking some lately about what it means to be Church of Christ. Have you ever thought about what does it mean to be Church of Christ? Um, Is it really all about the doctrine? Is that really what it's all about, to be Church of Christ? Um, Is it really a matter of restoring something in 1830? I don't even know what that one refers to. Um, Is that what it means to be Church of Christ? Is the Church of Christ really the only church that saves? And does the church really save it all kind of thought that's what Jesus did Um, is it a family of grace that one feels better to me but is that what it means to be Church of Christ there's a whole lot of of perspectives on what it means to be Church of Christ in the Bible it's just a little descriptive phrase of the church Uh, but what is what does it mean Uh, There are some folks in Churches of Christ that have left an impression of what it means to be Church of Christ that I really don't want to have anything to do with. Uh, That's kind of stinky Church of Christ in my book, and you've probably met some of those kinds of folks. Um, Sometimes people have met so many stinky Church of Christ folks that they want to distance themselves from that, and I kind of understand that too, um, but I've decided Christ is an excellent word to have in your church name. And what I want to do, where I'm working over at the Northwest Church of Christ, is fill that phrase "Church of Christ" with the best possible meaning uh, to make to make help us be a church of Christ in the best possible sense uh, and so I'm really encouraging us to be like Christ and to focus on Christ and one of the, and another thing I'm doing and this is something that I know for sure it means to be church of Christ however you look at it is I want Christ to be the leader and I bet that was me that just hit that oh it was me um, see how high tech you are Um, I, I want to help our church be a church of Christ, and I know for sure one of the things that that means is that Christ needs to be the leader. Church of Christ, His church. And I think we've known that, and we've done that pretty well on our doctrinal statements. I secretly looked on your website to see if I could nail you on something, but I couldn't find your doctrinal statement on there. Um, but here, here's the deal He's got to be the leader, not just in our doctrinal beliefs, but in actual practice. And the, can y'all see the highlights? I don't see colors too well, but practice is highlighted. That means it's a blank. Uh, the first blank there was leader, and the second is practice. But Christ has to be the leader of the church, not just theoretically not just in our rhetoric, not just on our doctrinal statements. He's got to be the leader in actual fact, which leads to the kind of tough question. Who's the leader of Mac? Who's the leader of this church? And I don't care what your doctrinal statement says about that either. Uh, What I want to know is if you have guests... That come here and visit for six months, and they come to all your assemblies and all your classes, and they listen to all the announcements, and they come to everything, and they don't pay attention to your doctrinal statement, but they just watch based on observation. Who would they conclude leads this church? Not by rhetoric but by observation, what would they conclude? Would they conclude the elders lead this church? Would they conclude the elders' wives lead this church? I heard about a church, I'm so glad I don't know anything, or I wouldn't have had the guts to say that, but I heard about a church that had a picture of the elders hanging in the hallway in their church building, and somebody had come in there and cut out the face Of each elder and replaced it with his wife's face. I'm thinking that's not a good thing. Uh, Would people think the ministers or one of the ministers is who's really in charge? Uh, Would people think the complainers are who runs this church? Would people think the money holders? are the leaders of this church. Would anybody guess that this church works hard to allow Jesus to run the church? In fact, and the reason I ask those questions is that tonight we have a story about leadership. Tonight, the guest speaker is going to tell you how to lead your church. So before I do that, let me just say I've enjoyed coming over here these Wednesday nights. I'm sure my replacement will do a fine job. Um, But I'm kind of duty bound to say some things about leadership because Doug gave me this parable and I'm supposed to speak god's word and doug said we need to be challenged by our gathering tonight right um and i assume he didn't mean virtually challenged but challenged in fact Uh, yeah like the cup of water i'm not touching it now (laughs) um and you know i need to hear some of this i'm a leader too Uh, Some of this is really convicting to me. Um, And I've got some strong feelings about some of this. I'm just going to say some things. Um, And maybe you'll forget by next summer. Um, This also, this applies to all kinds of leaders in the church. And there are some implications for followers as well. So there'll be something here for all of us. Um, But I would like us to just pray again before we go on. Father, please give us humble and open hearts and help us to be able to hear your word. Take it to heart and let it bear fruit in our lives. Help us to live and lead and follow in such a way that you really are in charge. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I know... um, All right. I know that, um, that um, this, I don't, I don't know how familiar this parable is. We've deliberately picked ones that are not quite so familiar, but this is a parable about leadership. Let me show you why I think that's the case. In the context, in the parable just before, verses 35 through 40, uh, we've got this parable of the uh, servants who are watching and waiting for the return of their master. Uh, And the point of that is, we need to be alert, we need to watch, we need to be ready when the master returns. And then Peter asks a question in verse 41 that's really important for understanding what's happening here. He says, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And I'm pretty sure what he means by that is, are you telling that to us 12 apostles? Or is this for everybody? Um, And Jesus answers his question by telling the story of the wise manager. And I want us to read it. But before we read it, um, since Jesus answers his question indirectly, let me tell you, before we read it, what I think he's saying. I think what he's saying is, that one was for everyone. Here's one for you. So I think the context of his question suggests that this is about leadership, and so does the content. Let's listen to it. Luke 12, 42. The Lord answered, "'Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns.'" Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. All right, now I know you can't read these two paragraphs, but I want to show you some key words. The top paragraph is the first parable, the the servants who are watching for their master to return. The second one is the parable that I just read, the parable of the wise servant. And watch for the highlights here. Uh, There's servants in both of the parables. Servants in both of the parables. And in the second parable, the servant is also called a manager. And we want to look at that word in a second. In both of the parables, there is a master. And if you're not figuring it out, which I'm sure you are, um, Jesus is the master. That same word is used to describe Jesus. It's translated Lord when it's talking about Jesus. All right, so what you've got in these two parables, they both have a master, and it's Jesus, um, and they both have servants. But in one of the parables, our parable, the servant is also called a manager. And I want us to look at that word. The word is oikonomos. Let's just practice that together. Oikonomos. Did you get it, or do you want to do it one more time? Oikonomos. All right, let's do it backwards. Okay, we won't do that. All right, so I'm not showing showing off. I had to look it up again to make sure I had the right word. But I want you to think about what that word means, because some of the English translations have baggage. Some of the words we use to translate it have baggage that are not helpful in understanding it. Um, one of those words is the word manager. Jesus says, being a leader in my church is kind of like being a manager. Now, the things I don't like about that is I don't think the focus is on techniques of management. Uh, when I hear about managing, that's what I think of, the techniques of getting people to do what they ought to do and motivating them and all those kinds of things. I think the part that is more parallel in what Jesus is trying to tell us is that the manager is not the owner. He's doing a job for the owner. Uh, In the parable, he calls the owner a master, and the manager is taking care of something on behalf of that manager. Uh, some of the English translations use the word steward, which is a, a pretty good word, too. We just don't use it a lot in this sense. We used to talk about an aer- airline steward or stewardess. Uh, the stewardess takes care of the passengers. It's not her plane, it's not her company, uh, but she's taking care of some people on behalf of the owner of the company uh unfortunately when we hear steward we almost always think of money especially if we say it stewardship or if especially if we say stewardship campaign how many of you don't know what that means that means you need to raise your contribution you know frankly uh and to me it's kind of sad that that has taken over the meaning of steward i only know one place in the bible where stewardship is applied to money. And that's in the parable that David did last week in in Luke 16. Uh, And if we think exclusively money, when we hear stewardship, it's going to be hard for us to understand what Jesus is telling us with this word. Uh, It's somebody that is taking care of something valuable for their master. Yeah, money would be an example of that, but just one example of that. Uh, I don't know if any versions translate this custodian, uh, but when you hear custodian, if you don't think janitor, but rather the person that takes care of this building and property, it's not his building, but he takes care of it. That's a pretty good parallel. Okay? Um, we know that these oikonomoses, which is not how you say the plural, but we know that the people that had this role in the ancient world uh, would sometimes be appointed by the the, man, the master to take care of the food service for the service. Jesus says that directly in our parable. Uh, in the parable that David did last week, sometimes the oikonomos would handle the master's money. Uh, he would be the bookkeeper and the one that handled the money. Uh, we know from Galatians 4, that sometimes it meant taking care of the master's kids. Uh, There's a a son who one day is going to be the heir. He's going to be the the rich master. But when he's young, he's got nannies and tutors, we would say. But they use that same word, oikonomos, trustee, to talk about taking care of something that's really valuable that belongs to the master. Uh, put this definition on your sheet from the interpreter's dictionary of the Bible. Anoikonomos was an official who controls the affairs of a large household, overseeing the service at the master's table, directing the household servants, and controlling household expenses on behalf of the master. Uh, And sometimes Anoikonomos was in charge of all of that Sometimes he would be in charge of one part of that, uh, and somebody else would be in charge of the rest. So that's what, that's what this word means. Uh, an oikonomos would have to give an account for how he was handling the master's stuff, and there would be rewards or consequences based on how well he did his job. The number one quality that you wanted <laughs> And the oikonomos is for them to be trustworthy or faithful. Uh, our text says, who then is the wise and faithful manager? A faithful and wise manager. Wise is important. I'm not going to talk much about that, but faithful. In First Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, uh, Paul says, I'm, I'm an oikonomos of God's word, the mysteries of God, and it is required that the oikonomos be faithful. That's what an oikonomos is expected to be. So what you have is a servant who is selected by his master and entrusted to handle something that's really valuable, that belongs to the master, Uh, That servant goes about his work. He's going to have to give an account to his master. There will be rewards or consequences. And the number one thing that you want is for him to be faithful. Jesus says, that's what it's like to be a leader in my church. You're in charge. You're entrusted with something of mine that is really valuable. Uh, it, today, we might think of like hiring a nanny. Uh, you're going to entrust something very precious to that nanny, and you want them to be trusted in advance and to show themselves to be trustworthy. You entrust your children to them, and you expect them to take care of them. And you don't tell them every little thing to do, but you make clear the basic of what you want that nanny to do. So leadership in the church has to do with managing people who belong to Christ. It's the church of Christ and it has leaders but the leaders are managing people who belong to Christ. Now that word oikonomos is used specifically of elders in Titus 1:7 they are managers or stewards They are God's stewards, God's managers. Uh, Oikonomos is also used specifically of ministers in 1 Corinthians 4 and in Colossians 1. They are managers or stewards of the mysteries of God or the Word of God. And it's also used of all Christians. All Christians are stewards, the word is used, of God's grace And they show that by their gifts. That's what Peter's talking about. Use your gift to serve as a good steward of God's grace. We're managing God's grace by using these gifts for other people. Uh, So it's not just any one group of, of leaders. All leaders are managers of people who belong to Christ. And the number one thing that you want is for those stewards to be faithful. Now, I want us to look at faithful here for just a little bit, uh, because faithful is another word that sometimes rings some bells that shouldn't be rung. Uh, it means something a little bit different than what we think of sometimes when we hear it. Sometimes when we hear about, let's, we'll take elders, um, are, are those elders Faithful? Sometimes what people really mean by that is conservative. Uh, I, I really regret that we've kind of surrendered the word faithful to really conservative Christians. They're the ones that are always talking about being faithful, and so the rest of us are kind of afraid to use that word. I think that's really unfortunate. Um, and so, so when you hear the word faithful, you might think, okay, well, he wants us to be conservative. Well. If you're going to loan me your Mercedes, anybody, should I pause? <laughs> is the, the mic is still working. Right. Uh, well, if you are, I'm going to be really conservative. I'm going to drive it home carefully, park it in my driveway because my garage is full of junk, and I'm going to cover it, and I'm not going to touch it again, and nobody's going to come close to it. So I can kind of see why you think that about faithful. But that's not parallel to this. Loaning me your Mercedes is not really parallel to what we're talking about. You remember the parable of the talents? Did did y'all do that one? Or is that one too well known? Uh, That parable, money is entrusted to servants, five, two, one, And the one talent guy was really conservative, right? Buried it to make sure nothing bad happened to that money. You remember what his master called him? A wicked, lazy servant. I'm pretty sure conservative is not what this means. Um, If you take the gospel, it's been entrusted to us, and we do need to protect it and guard it. But if we never speak it to anyone... That's not faithful. And I've heard people say, I don't ever say anything to anybody because I don't want to say something wrong. Well, that's a certain way to be unfaithful with the gospel. Uh, So so don't think conservative when you think faithful. And please don't think micromanage. Uh, That's one of the concerns I have about translating the word manager. Uh, Being a faithful manager doesn't mean micromanage every little detail. Um, If you are a just, I'm just going to say this. If you're an elder and you micromanage, you will not be faithful. And I'll tell you why in a minute, if you're still here. Um, so don't think that. All right, rather, faithful means loyal. It's a relationship turn. Did you know that six years ago, your Wednesday night series was on the fruit of the Spirit? And I found the notes of the guy that talked about faithfulness. And he said that according to the New Testament Dictionary of Theology, faithfulness is faithfulness of partners who have an agreement, um, and it's trustworthiness. And it does include behaviors, but they're behaviors in the context of a relationship. So if you apply that kind of faithfulness to an elder, um, to be faithful... Doesn't mean be conservative. You don't even have to include a relationship with God uh, to be faithful in that sense. That's just following the rules. Um, but if you're going to be faithful in a relational sense, God, the Master, very much has to be in the picture and very much has to be present. So loyal. Uh, a relational term helps us understand this. Uh, Being faithful includes distinguishing our will and desire from our masters. I've noticed we are an opinionated people. Leaders and flock alike. We want stuff to be our way. Right? Uh, And you know the problem is Facebook. (laughs) Actually, Facebook wouldn't have happened if the problem didn't already exist. But I don't care what you had for lunch today. I'm not going to read your stinking Facebook page to see what you had for lunch today. Uh, In fact, I'm starting a rival. This is going to put Facebook out of business. Uh, Because on Facebook, you know, you just rant about your opinions and all those. I'm going to start, shut your face book. (laughs) And um, you can sign up tonight but you can't comment, you you just sign up. All right, so all that to say, we've got opinions and we've got how we want it. And if you are gonna be faithful, you better be able to tell the difference between your will and the will of your master. You have not been appointed to enforce your will. Uh, And so we really need to prayerfully read the word Not only so we can discern our master's will for his church, but so that we can discern our own hearts and make sure that our own will and our own desire is not at the forefront. Uh, And that's one of those things that I found kind of challenging when I was looking at that. So those are some thoughts about being faithful. Now, if we're going to be faithful, there are three specific things we got to do that are mentioned specifically here in the parable. And the first one is to fulfill our task. Uh, This servant was appointed to give the other servants their food allowance. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. So if you're a leader of any kind in this church, Uh, It's really, really important for you to figure out what task your master has given you. Um, And for, for the elders, that includes overseeing the church. But as I mentioned a while ago, if you micromanage the church, you will be unfaithful. And the reason why is overseer is only one thing you're supposed to be doing. You're also supposed to be shepherding the flock. Uh, And if you've never read read Ezekiel 34 and thought about your role as an elder, I strongly recommend that. Uh, God is real serious about his shepherds shepherding his flock, Ezekiel 34. And if you micromanage, you're not going to be able to shepherd the flock. You're not going to have time to shepherd the flock. Uh, Aside from the fact that you're also told to teach and equip the saints for works of service, and be an example to the flock, and pray for the sick, there's a lot of stuff you're supposed to do. Uh, now, if you're a minister, or a deacon, or a ministry leader, uh, you need to clarify what your task is. Uh, you may answer to some human beings, but your master is in heaven and you better figure out what he's wanting you to do, and make sure you get that task done. Uh, And I I won't go into any more specifics on that. Uh, Another thing that we need to do to be faithful is not harm God's people. 45, but suppose that servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and then he begins to beat the other servants. Uh, You can't You can't harm God's people. These are God's people. Whatever kind of leader you are, whatever sphere it is, you can't hurt these people. You can't be demanding. You can't be heavy-handed. You can't deceive them. You can't withhold information that they've got the right to. I know there's some stuff that they don't need to know. You can't have this, uh, an attitude or an atmosphere of secrecy. Uh, You can't think without feeling, and you can't feel without thinking, and you can't make decisions without thinking, and you can't decide stuff too quick, and you can't decide stuff too slow, and you can't not decide stuff. Um, you, you can't baby God's people. You can't patronize God's people. Um, and you can't negotiate with the terrorists among God's people. That is bad for God's people, and it's bad for the terrorist that is holding the church hostage. can't hurt people like that. Um, and uh, and there's probably more to say there. Let, let me just go on to the last one. Um, you can't exploit your role. He's supposed to be feeding the servants, but in 45, he's eating and drinking and getting drunk, uh, probably with the servant's food. I don't know if the f- servants got any wine or not, uh, but, but if you've ever wanted to be an elder so you can make the church how it's supposed to be, uh, that you're, you're trying to exploit a role. Uh, that's, that's not what it means to be an oikonomos of God's people. Uh, leaders of all kinds pick up a lot of personal information that they could use for their own advantage. Um, just think about 45 before you do that kind of thing. Uh, now, let me quickly, a couple of implications for followers. This clock's a little slower, so I'm going to go by this one. A um, couple of implications for followers. Wouldn't it be nice if all you had to do to be a great follower of the leadership of the church is just push a button? Wouldn't that be great? I think I'm down on Facebook. Uh, but we, it's not that easy. And instead of pushing a button, sometimes we push the leader's buttons and do things that followers ought not to do. Now, I'm thinking all of us are followers. Uh, We're all, probably all of us are leaders, at least in the sense of having a gift of God's grace to share. But all of us are followers. Even elders are followers of some people and certainly of the other elders. So let me mention a couple of uh, implications for followers. One is uh, don't try to push a leader into a different role from what their master has given them. Now, I know that looks like a married couple, but it's not. <laughs> what that is the guy is the newest elder, his name's Larry, and he's finding out that Sister Jones didn't particularly enjoy that change in the worship service. And uh, she's trying to calmly communicate that to him. <laughs> Uh, and give him some input to think about. Now, what? unfortunately, what's really happening is she's pushing him into a role that God didn't give him. Uh, It is way too common for elders and members alike to assume that the role of the elder is to be the complaint department. And if the member doesn't like something, they go complain to the elder, and the elder fixes it for them. I don't think that's the role of an elder. Now, I think there's a shepherding opportunity there. If he's got the guts to do it, uh, that shepherd probably needs to be whacked, metaphorically, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and helped to understand healthier ways to give her input. Uh, now, I put Acts 6 there. You can read it later, but it's when the Grecian widows complained about being overlooked in the food service, uh, well, well, the leadership heard that, but they didn't handle it. They delegated it to someone else. And that's the part I'm emphasizing is they didn't think it was right to neglect the ministry of the word to wait on tables. So shepherds, you got to figure out some way to shepherd that angry woman and uh, not let her push you out of her role. And angry women and men among us, you got to stop that. You're violating God's word by trying to push them into a role that God didn't give them. That's not the role. And don't push them into deacon's work either. And don't push the elders or the ministers into the role of being your personal representative among the leadership. That's not their role. Uh, And so we got to hear that. And then kind of related to that, don't try to get a leader to do your will. Uh, They are not commissioned to please you. Now, If you don't like your elders, I'm going to tell you how to give your elders a heart attack. Okay? (laughs) Here's how to give an elder a heart attack. Encourage them to be faithful to their master even if you don't like it. Now, am I wrong about that? The shepherds, the leaders, God's leaders are supposed to be faithful to their master And if you want to be a good follower, then encourage all your leaders to please their master, even if you don't like it, which takes some pressure off of them and makes it easier for them to do that. Um, There's a whole lot more we could say. I've said enough. I hope there's something there um, that can help us. It's so easy to just do what comes naturally. But if you want to be challenged, you listen to God's Word. And God's Word leads us into some stuff that's really different from what just comes naturally. And I believe God's Word is right. Don't you? Amen. So let's do that.